Hello and welcome to Trashy Trashy, where we take a dumpster dive on this week's Garbage People and look at all the trashy news stories. My name is Erica and I'm your host. My name is Cassandra and I'm your other host. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Oh, wow. Right, right when I said that, like a few of the leaves on my fiddle leaf just fell off. How creepy. Ooh. Spooky. <laughs> How are you on this on this frightful day? You know, I'm I'm okay. I truly had something out of a horror movie happen to me. Okay. This weekend. Uh-huh. I went to a sample sale. Oh. Which is scary enough. But if there's one thing I'm meant to do in this world, I was built for a sample sale. I am I'm 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 like I'm a boxed out. Like if Susan and I reach for the same blouse. Yeah, bitch on the floor like kadoosh. I'm dropped. getting hurt. Dropped. You're a size yeah. six and I'm a twelve. Doesn't matter. I want the skirt. I'm coming away with it. Like I'm just sure. Dope. So I went with Winston's sister-in-law, my friend Anna, and so I, I, I wear. I made a mistake. I wear a sweatshirt. I'm a little bit too warm. Uh huh. Take a lot of vitamins, a lot of pills, just to live. And I ate a very small breakfast because we were going to lunch afterwards. Because you got to get to these samples us early. Sure. Take my my all my vitamins and pills, which is like dozens almost practically. Mm-hmm. I don't eat a very big breakfast, and so mm-hmm. I'm wearing a sweatshirt inside of this warehouse. Warehouse, classic mistake, my fault, right? I'm wearing a mask, obviously, you know, safety first. <laughs> You're one of the few. I'm one of the few, of course. I don't I don't wear masks anymore. So, <laughs> hey, but you know what? We welcome all types here. You know, all types welcome. Do do to your personal preference. You know, sure. I start getting a little warm and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just in a sweatshirt, obviously. Well, then I start mm-hmm. going, oh, is my, my tummy rumbling? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I go, and I need you to hold my sack of, of clothing I'm about to buy. Mm-hmm. And I, I start, I throw up in my mouth twice. And I'm like, okay, you're headed out the door. You, you've managed it. You're fine. Full blown throw up in your mouth. Full blown, th- but I've contained it to my mouth. Wow. My foot crosses the door, the threshold of the door to the sidewalk. I overflow a mask with like, as soon as I got out of the warehouse, I overflowed a mask with liquid, just liquid, not, you know, but then I see, so I'm ripping the mask off as fast as I can as to not contain it. Oh, it was just, just, it was like, it was like the exorcist. It was horrible. It was a horrible. Yeah. <laughs> just projectile vomiting liquid, like yellow, bright yellow because of these vitamins. Vitamins, man. Brutal. Like 10 a.m. on a Saturday in Beverly Hills looking like a ragamuffin. But then I'm seeing like the, and I'm like trying to count. I'm like, well, what vitamin is that? Because I have to retake it because I don't have it in me. I'm not going to feel, it was horrifying so then i i step to the threshold i don't have my purse because they make you check your purse at these things so i i look to the doorman who we checked our purse to check like, your purse yeah oh, so you don't they don't steal steal so i'm like sorry could you could do you have any paper towels he's oh my like God. oh yeah and he just like extends them like his hand out but he doesn't but we're still like 12 15 feet away from each other and i go can can you toss them i don't want to step back into the warehouse with my like horrifying and he's like Oh, oh, and he soon picks together what's happened. And he's like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Tosses him out the door to me. Trash bucket. It was it was humiliating. And so I like. What an effective way to get all of the best clothing. 
Oh yeah, and like to be puke girl. Yeah, bitch, you, you, we're going for the same dress. I'm puke girl. Like, so. oh, did you not show up early enough to get here before the front threshold was covered in vomit? Sorry about your bad luck. Yeah, it was. And then he he offered me some water, and we, you know, cleaned it all up. But then I went back. But my mask is trash. So then I'm just free free facing it, free balling it to the world. Well. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm like <laughs> wow, I'm sorry that happened. That's gross. It was just, it was just, it was truly like something out of a horror movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. 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 Lots of, yeah. lots of horror. It's, it's the time of year for a horror movie, you know? It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what's going on with you? I don't, oh, I, it's so weird. I was about to ask you why you were trash, you know, because yeah. I don't really have much going on that's uh, pleasant to talk about. Oh, I keep getting like, I'm sorry. We might have to pause. I, my apartment is like really cold. Hello and welcome to my favorite trash can where we talk about all kinds of trashy crime. My name is Cassandra and I am your host. And my name is Erica and I'm your other host. Erica, let's hop right into it. I I hear that you have brought a crime for me today. Oh my goodness, Cass. I can't wait to tell you about this episode of, of, of of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history. And the annals? 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 What is that? What A N N A O S? Annals. Annals, right? A record of events year by year. You got it, girl. All right. The deed a- that will a- live in forever anal- in the annals of infamy. Historical a- records. Yeah. Anal me up. <laughs> Let's do some anal. <laughs> okay. So the story has been put together through a lone survivor's recount. And other eyewitness accounts. There's no police records of this crime. Oh, wow. Yeah. My sources today are a Texas Monthly article and an episode of I Survived told by Sally Hardesty. Okay. So in August 1973, there was a series of grave grave robbings happening in a town of Newt in Myrtle County, Texas. So there had been at least a dozen empty crypts, body desecrations, and suspected to be linked to the elements outside of the state of Texas. So nobody knew what was going on. But, I mean, people were, like, taken out of their graves. There were, like, mashups of bodies put together. It was just horrifying, right? Okay. So on August 18th, 1973, five youths, Sally, paraplegic, wheelchair-bound brother Franklin, their friends Jerry, Kirk, and Pam, ages approximately 17 to 21, Uh are traveling in a green Ford Ecoline van to the Newt Cemetery to check on the status of the Hardesty's grandfather's gravesite at the Greenlee Cemetery. They departed their hometown around 11 a.m., traveling on Farm to Market Road 79, And the day started off unusually when Franklin had to stop in a bathroom break on the side of the road and his wheelchair slipped and he fell down a hill, completely disorientating him and slightly damaging his wheelchair. 
oh it's like so sad yeah yeah so they actually arrived at the cemetery around like 12 47 and sally was able to confirm with locals and the town sheriff and like see the gravesite of her grandpa it had not been disturbed like thank god you know totally yeah. and this is they're going at night no this is during the day so okay, 12 47 okay, okay. p.m yeah okay so the crew travels on and they discover like a really bad smell that they're driving through and then franklin realizes that they're actually driving past the slaughterhouse that their grandpa used to sell his cattle at. So, oh yeah yeah so at 1 27 p.m and again these are mostly approximate due to like witness testimonies that like, don't have course. like a specific timeline yeah totally so they spot a hitchhiker on the side of the road and so you know according to the reports like the group kind of debated amongst themselves whether they should stop and pick up the hitchhiker citing like you know it was heat i mean it's august in south texas it's like and this is the 70s too 70s right so this is like a culture yeah. of like normalcy kind of you know uh-huh so they were like it's hot but he was like kind of weird looking but they were like you know maybe he works at the slaughterhouse and he smells weird you know this is like pros and cons were being debated but they were like ultimately good souls so they decided to pick him up what kind of like, car were they in they were in like, like a, green, a van or something like right? a van like one of those like sliding door eco line not like a, a vw van but like the ford right. version of the vw vans totally yeah. totally yeah so it's like a really tense 10 minute ride ensues so the hitchhiker reveals he doesn't work at the slaughterhouse, but his brother and grandfather work there. And his family has always been in meat. Okay. So the hitchhiker takes out a, ca- a camera, a Polaroid camera, out of his little pouch and reveals that he has photos of like slaughtered animals and how, how and then tells the group like how to make head cheese from the animals. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's that's like, a thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. It's like some people Polaroids like Polaroids of cheese. dead animals, no, but head cheese is a thing. Yeah, like, oh, here's a Polaroid of my sweetheart or my alive dog, but not, you know, dead oh, it's like pigs dogs? and cows. No, it was like pigs and, and, oh, and okay, cows, okay, okay. but like, okay. yeah, right? Uh-huh. So Franklin was using his pocket knife to clean his fingernails. And so the hitchhiker lunges at the knife and takes <gasps> it out of Franklin's hand. And he proceeds to then cut his own hand very deeply while just laughing. And he then just hands the knife back to him without confrontation. And he's like, oh, you like knives? And he pulls out a large switchblade from his own boots. Ugh. He then takes a photo of Franklin himself and asks the group to take him to his house and invites the group to dinner. And they're like, no, you know, they decline his invitation and they ask Franklin to like, then he asks Franklin to like pay him for the photo. And then he's he really like bleeding in the car. Just bleeding, hand just bleeding. Oh my God. Demanding like $2 for the photo. And, you know, things start to just to get tense and, and like, you know, a quarrel breaks out. And so he's like, you know, pay me for this. And, and Franklin's like, no, I don't want that photo. You know, no, man. Well, then the hitchhiker sets a small fire of the photo of Franklin. And then he cuts. In the car? In the car, in the van. He then like cuts Franklin's arms with the knife. And so the group kicks him out and he chases the van it's just like a very unsettling like moment for the group you know they're just rattled obviously they had to visit at a gravestone i feel like, like i want to buy day. the photo just so that this creepy guy didn't have it 
but that's just like that like weird like politeness that we feel sometimes i know it's like what do you do in that situation i don't know you don't pick up a hitchhiker it's not the yeah. 70s number one yeah. yeah yeah okay okay so the van pulls up to this like rural gulf gas station a little bit after but the state gas station's out of gas till later in the day or early the next day the proprietor tells them Ugh. and so the you know witnesses town. say yeah the, those witnesses say they inquired about franklin's grandfather's house and like the location in the area and they kind of describe it and then they pick up some barbecue from the, the area mm-hmm. and uh you know they tell them loosely where they think the house could have been and uh so they arrive at the grandfather's old broken down property this like gorgeous old two-story house that's kind of been run down where he used to have his farm and they discover that like when they're leaving the gas station without any gas that there's been the hitchhiker when he was chasing the van like left this like bloody handprint on the side of the van it's like oh yeah so they get to the house they're exploring well like franklin doesn't have any access to the house because he's in a wheelchair and they go upstairs it's kind of a bummer so pam and kirk (laughs) two of the the kids are dating and they decide to go to the old swimming hole in the property and so you know franklin tells them like where it goes down this path down these sheds and so they're they're headed to the swimming hole but then they hear a motor running and they're like oh well these people you know if we are motor they might have gas that we could like exchange something for right Uh uh-huh so they approach this old barn hoping to like you know find some gas and then kirk sees like a bunch of cars and a generator And so they walk up to the main house and this, you know, unfortunately, this would prove to be like one of their biggest mistakes in this like horrific tragedy. So Pam decides to like hang out outside on a swing and Kirk opens the door, knocks after several times and hears a pig squealing. So he enters the house and then he sees like in the front entryway, there's this like closet that's open with several like animal like you know like like uh, hunters would have like heads mounted and things like that yeah and so he enters the closet and all of a sudden a figure comes out and hits him with a hammer on the head oh yeah so the perpetrator closes the door you know takes takes kirk inside and closes the door and so you know pam sits outside for a little bit and is like pretty distressed by his like lack of response so she enters the house herself calling for kirk so girl <laughs> yeah so she trips walking into the living room and then she discovers it's like full of feathers teeth animal <gasps> bones and live chickens right so Ugh. she attempts to leave but the same person that grabbed kirk earlier uh-huh. leaves the closet grabs her just as she crosses out of the doorway to leave and then he drags her back into the house into that closet of horrors oh my god okay so trigger warning for anyone that doesn't like you know ultra violence he then puts pam on a meat hook and she's forced to watch him dismember kirk with a chainsaw Uh, on a meat hook on a meat hook like like she's just like a like a cow or something how like he's so strong he's like so big yeah, but like strong. what is she like tied up to it or is she like going through her skin like going through her like through her abdomen. whoa yeah so she's just like suspended there having to look at it there's no it, other yeah and this is a new person who's torturing them 
this the same guy yeah the guy it's the hitchhiker they, no oh so, uh, yeah new person yeah whoa fucked so, up town yeah yeah so it's getting late in the evening and jerry who is sally's boyfriend decides to walk to the watering hole himself leaving siblings sally and franklin by the van in the house yes. the their grandfather's house so details and times get kind of kind of fuzzy at this point because we don't have an approximation due to like the nature of these crimes but jerry then discovers this like house of horrors and enters he walks into the kitchens and hear rumblings everyone entering for because why is everyone just breaking into this house it's like the they're teenagers in the 70s it's like they hadn't heard of like danger yet you know wild west out there in the 70s just well it's no like, one's locking doors no and- one's locking doors it's like we just gotten out of the six like free love of the 60s they're in the south they're in texas mm-hmm. where people are just more like all get along you know like, i'll get along now <laughs> oh y'all get along now come on in you hear? yeah yeah so he enters the kitchen, right? And he hears this rumbling, knocking coming from inside of a deep freezer, like one of those flat, big freezers. Uh-huh. He opens it and he sees Pam laying inside of it. Ah! But, so she pops up, though. She's still alive somehow. Oh, shit. But then the perpetrator from earlier pops into the kitchen and smashes his head with a hammer. Ugh, gotta watch out for that hammer horrifying so we don't know you know what's happened so several hours without seeing or hearing from their friends it's now dark sally and franklin are like we're gonna have to go back to town like we have to go back to that gas station we have to do something we haven't heard from our friends they're honking the horn on the van they they're calling for their friends and then they discover the keys aren't in the van so kirk Pam or Jerry have taken the keys to the van. So they're essentially stranded. Oh no. Yeah. So they start to wander. So Sally's pushing Franklin's wheelchair and they see the light and hear the generator that the other, you know, kids had seen earlier. Yeah. So they move closer and closer to the house. So they're in these the woods, the pathway to the house, and all of a sudden, Franklin is attacked with the chainsaw by the perpetrator from earlier cutting directly into his chest while sally is pushed aside and watches on in like total distress and like to hear her tell the story in this i survived episode it's just i mean this is her only sibling in the world you know she's always felt protective over him he's been a paraplegic his whole life like uh, yeah so sally takes off through the forest and is run well the whole time this guy's chasing her with a chainsaw but Uh he's wearing some type of mask on his face so she can't even it we don't even see like his actual facial features okay so it's nighttime she's running through a forest she doesn't know being chased by somebody with a chainsaw and it's like thick brush forest and she's getting caught so she sees a house with a light on and she runs and she's like oh my god finally you know somebody no way this isn't well for anybody she doesn't realize she's just entered this guy's house (gasps) <gasps> yeah. oh no she runs in locks the front door runs upstairs and what does she find like a a, a near like a, 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 a it looks like a corpse but it's just a decrepit old man in a rocking chair begging him for help and then she you know is not getting a response from him and she 
looks over to her side and sees that there's a essentially an almost rotted corpse of a dead woman in a dress in the other chair and she's like oh my god what what's happening here so she decides to leave this attic that she's run up to the whole time though this guy is cutting down the front door with his chainsaw sure she starts running down the stairs he runs up he has to cut through the chainsaw or the front door even though it was his house well she locked the door on the way in Oh, and he doesn't have his keys. He just has his chainsaw. It just has a chainsaw, which is, uh, to be fair, almost a universal key, you know? Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, like, they meet on the staircase. She jumps out of a, she runs back upstairs, jumps out of a window to escape him. Okay. But that's not where the story ends. So she runs. She's being pursued by this guy his chainsaw back through the forest. She runs and runs and runs. And eventually she runs all the way back to the gas station that they were at earlier in the day. Oh, wow. And so they see the proprietor of the gas station that she's spoken to earlier. And she flings herself in inside of the little, you know, the gas station. And he, and she's like, shut the door, shut the door. And he does. He tries to calm her down. She's explaining the situation, but she's hysterical. You know, it's not, Nothing makes sense to him because, of course, he hasn't seen any of this. So she's yeah. she's like, lock the door, call the pops. He's done this and this. And so he's like, listen, listen, there's no phone here. Ugh. We're going to have to get in my truck and drive. No all gas, the way to- no phone, no gas. What no the hell phone. is the point of this place? I mean, it's the 70s. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah, like man, rural Texas. It might as well be the 1920s. You yeah, know, you're off the grid. So he's like, we're gonna have to get my truck and we're gonna have to drive over to Childress, like one of the towns over. And so she, he goes to get his truck, right? Uh-huh. He, he leaves, but he leaves the door wide open. And so what? Sally's sitting there losing the, her The truck mind. door? No, the, the door to this, like the gas station. That she's oh. So she's just sitting there thinking at any moment, this guy's gonna run in with a chainsaw, but she doesn't hear anything, but still she's like losing it. So he pulls up with the truck, but he walks in, the, the gas station owner, uh-huh. but he has a big, like, one of those, like, big potato sacks. Oh, no. And string. And oh, so she no. grabs, like, a knife, and he starts telling her to, like, just cooperate, and you'll have no trouble. And so Sally's <gasps> like, no one is safe. I have no ally. Fuck right? this town. So he then lunges at her. He grabs a broom and lunges at her knocking the knife out of her hand so he smacks her with it starts hitting her with the broom not like not like to knock her just to kind of like disarm her and like i mean Uh if you've just been chased by a chainsaw and he just starts kind of like annoyingly hitting you with the broom Uh you're like god damn it quit like can i fucking live yeah (laughs) can i live a second i'm trying to process some trauma oh my god he knocks he smacks around with his broom he like <laughs> eventually hits her enough to where he can like tie her up he gags her with a rag Ugh. like she cannot catch a break so no. he drags her to the truck and begins to drive her until he runs into somebody on the road and it's the hitchhiker ah uh! right so the gas station attendant like the owner stops and then he gets out and he smacks him around and scolds him for almost getting caught and tells him to stay away from graveyards. Almost getting so they, caught. They know each other. Oh my God. Yeah. So then he drives up 
to none other than the house where Sally's the chainsaw's night- house the or chainsaw the grandpa's house. house. Okay. Yeah. So this is like Sally's nightmare house, right? Yeah. So she's drugged into the house and Sally begins to piece together that the hitchhiker, the chainsaw guy, and the gas station owner are all brothers. <gasps> Ew. So these- yeah. 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 Like a whole family of like nitwits right like yeah but they're like really poor okay extremely disenfranchised possessing like no skills besides being able to butcher cattle so when the slaughterhouse moved from manually cutting to like these more mechanical ways and like the airsoft guns of like killing cattle like essentially like they were ran out of a job and so this family's been like so poor for so long essentially they could only afford to kill what they eat (gasps) <gasps> ew i mean like eat what they kill essentially you yeah know? wait so, so they probably never have gas they probably never have gas dot 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 and oh also my God. they buy barbecue he's always like oh we got real good barbecue and then no what is he selling at the i know we we still don't i know so many questions right so yeah so uh, you know everyone's like kind of taunting her so the family sits down for Sally passes out. She comes to, and the family, in quotations, is sitting at dinner. The hitchhiker and chainsaw have retrieved grandpa in the attic. Oh. Right? The, the older man. So then they cut Sally's finger, and he, grandpa, becomes alive and like sucks on her finger. So oh she's my high God. This old man's like, doesn't she have like three dead three or four dead friends that they can choose from well we don't know where they are they might be dinner at that point oh my god but like yeah yuck yeah so so it's the two brothers grandpa and then we see the chainsaw guy is now no longer in his like butcher outfit and like weird mask he has another mask on that has like women's makeup and a dress on and a wig what I, I i don't even i can't even begin and unpack and like yeah so yeah so they're gonna have dinner but then they start taunting the older brother the gas station guy that he's not a killer he's just a cook and obviously the hitchhiker and the chainsaw guy are the guys that are like the killers and so sally's uh-huh. like i got to get the fuck out of here you know yeah <laughs> so they, they they get this idea that they're going to let Grandpa, who's the best at killing, the best killer there ever was, according to their quotes, have his turn at murdering Sally, right? Even though he's, like, decrepit and barely, like, I mean, functioning. I mean, it looks like a human, cor- it's, like, horrifying, These like the way she describes it. Okay. So they drag her, tied to a chair, over to Grandpa and put oh a God. hammer in his hand. Well, it falls out. They put it again. It falls right out. Like, he can't keep a grip on anything like he doesn't have grip like it's, it's like he's they blew air into like a, a skeleton or something we need to let grandpa go yeah yeah it's like guys we need to let grandpa have some peace yeah yeah so, so uh, they're they're hollering and hooting and you know they're trying to like hamp grandpa up and everyone's just yelling at each other the three brothers and in all this chaos sally gets free and she jumps out of a window and starts to escape She's limping to the road. She she gets free because they keep fucking around with this. Because they start fighting themselves, and there's it's just chaos. Oh my god! 
again, jumps out of a window for the second time in the night yeah. and is limping down the road. So the chainsaw guy, the hitchhiker, start chasing her up the road. Uh-huh. Like she makes it, she makes it to the highway. She makes it to the road. And the hitchhiker is run over by a big red semi-truck. <gasps> Thank God, right? Yeah. So the, stop, the truck driver stops, obviously, because he's like, oh my God, I just hit a guy. But then he sees Sally completely covered in blood. And he's like, oh my God, get in my cab, get in my cab. Well, then right up the road comes Chainsaw. Uh-huh. So he starts cutting into the door. And so Sally and the truck driver jump out the other side and start running. Well, the truck driver, thank God, grabbed a wrench on his way out. Like he was in his cab of his car. He then ends up throwing it at this like chainsaw guy, hits him in the head. It knocked him off balance just enough where he fell back, but then the dropped the chainsaw and it cuts his own leg. Ah, right. So at this same, like he's, so he's down, but then a blue short cab pickup truck drives up. Sally jumps in the cab of the truck and is just like frightened, like screaming and like frightened joy. Right. Uh-huh. And so she sees the last thing she sees before she, you know, the last image she ever sees of this chainsaw was him like cutting his chainsaw. It's, it's like dawn at this point. She's been there all night and he's just like revving his chainsaw into the air. And so the chain, the semi truck driver and the cab, the short cab driver, the blue truck driver accompany Sally to the new sheriff department to make a report. Of course, law enforcement immediately descends onto the property, but they find no trace of the family, her brother, her friend's bodies were never found. Whoa. So the police say they found no killers, no victims, no facts, no crime. So the perpetrator is now known as, as Leatherface, and he has never been caught to this day. And the incident is forever known colloquially as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. Wow. They should make that into a movie. Right? It's like cinematic almost. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. That's crazy, Erica. Yeah. I mean, and just to hear Sally tell the story and then reading the Texas Monthly article written by Skip Mm -hmm. Collingsworth, like, it's so vivid. I I feel like I'm there with her seeing it, you know, and and just thinking about this, like, tall, lumbering, nonverbal thing this leather face oh i don't know i just have the chills yeah yeah well i have a trash crime for you too oh my god oh okay i can't wait tell me tell me so okay so my sources for this are from a town realtor jane butterfield and also some diary entries including a suicide note oh my god okay we don't there's not uh, unfortunately there was no law enforcement involved in this one as well. Oh, wow. So this takes place in 1988 and it's a pretty crazy one about a family from New York who bought some property in Connecticut. But let me just tell you some backstory first. Okay. So there was a couple 
Adam and Barbara Maitland, and they owned this hardware store and a fixer upper house in Winter River, Connecticut, right? And this was like a hot property. Like the town's realtor was constantly getting them to like, you know, they, she kept wanting them to sell this house. Like this house is too big for you. It's better suited for a family, like things like that, which was like kind of messed up because the Maitlands had previously had an unsuccessful pregnancy and then they had Mm. intentions to, you know, get pregnant again. Oh God. Yeah. So, um, sadly, Adam and Barbara died suddenly in a car accident. The car flew off a bridge and they drowned. Oh no. Right. So that is the backstory, but that brings us to then our family, the family from New York. So you have the dad, his name is Charles um, Dietz. And he's like, he's kind of like a money guy. Okay. Like pitches, investments, like like a a finance broke. Yeah. Like to even richer people kind of thing. So he moves his whole family. He's got one kid, Lydia, and then he's got his wife, Delia, and wants to move them to winter river for like a more relaxing lifestyle. Like let's leave the city kind of thing. Lydia is like, you know, a teenager. She's like very goth, you know, just like going through that stage in her life. You know, this is the late eighties. And then, um, Delia, his wife and Lydia's stepmom is an amateur sculptor in New York and kind of like a art scene, social life or socialite. Yeah. So they Uh, are very much not into this move to the country, but Charles uh, insists. Yeah. So in order to, I guess, make the transition, Oh my God, is something haunted? No, Taylor's knocking shit over. Oh. Delia, the wife, is like, I need to make this, I need to make this more livable for me. And so she enlists the help of her friend Otho from New York. Otho is like a interior designer or whatever. And they plan to change every room in the house. So they're going through the house, you know, whatever. They find in the closet the wedding clothes. Oh my God. From the previous owners, which we know were Adam and Barbara Maitland. Um, so they find the wedding clothes and the, but like doesn't phase them, whatever. They kind of just make fun of it and they move on. They are planning out different color palettes and everything for the house. And Charles, the husband is like, please just leave everything in the study the way it is, you know, like it, cause he, he didn't like that they were changing everything anyways. Like he wanted to relax and this wasn't relaxing. So they leave the study alone and then they try to go up to the attic and the attic is locked. So oh they're like, God. okay. Yeah. Nobody has a key except the realtor. So they're like, let's reach out to the realtor and get the key. And the realtor does come eventually when they're doing construction, but she gives the key to Lydia Who's outside? The teenager? The, yeah, the teenager. She's like, hey, just give this to your dad, whatever. So as soon as these renovations start on the house, Lydia, the teenager, is starting to see things. She sees people in the window and she's starting to hear things. And so Lydia is a photographer. At one point in the middle of the night, Lydia hears like moaning and stuff. And so she and she, she's like thinking that it's her parents having sex or something like that so she's like i'm gonna you know like you guys she's screaming through the walls like you shouldn't be like you have a child in the house whatever so she goes down to her parents room with a camera and she starts snapping photos because she sees two figures (gasps) under sheets with with eye holes cut out 
And so she snaps photos and she looks at the Polaroid of her photo in the picture. You can see the sheets, but no feet. Right? Wait. Okay. Oh, oh, oh like she, so she could see feet, but there's no feet in the Polaroid? Exactly. Yeah. She could see. So she was like, what? No feet. Now, turns out that these that Lydia is able to see ghosts. And these are the ghosts no. of Adam and Barbara Maitland. The people that used to live there? Yes. This the is car a crash? Haunted, yes, this is a haunted house from the couple who died in the car crash. No. Yes. So now that she can see them, and like even Adam and Barbara are like, you can see us, you know? And so then they try to explain what they've been doing. They're like, look we don't want your family to live here. We don't like that. You're trying to make all these changes to our house. Like we want you to leave. Like we're trying, we're trying to get you to leave. And so they, they allow Lydia to come up to the base or to the attic because it turns out that that locked attic is where they've been. Like they've made as their home base, even though no one can see them, they've been sticking to the attic and they just like to lock it as like one kind of safe place in the house for them. So in the attic, there is a small scale model of the entire town of Winter River. Like, like is- uh, Viserys in Game of Thrones, <laughs> like playing with his little models. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. So this was like one of Adam's uh, hobbies when he was alive. And like, so you have the whole town there, like you can see like the house and like all this stuff. And, and there's even like the graveyard where Adam and Barbara have been buried as, uh, is there as well. So Lydia, while she's up there, comes across a book that's called Handbook for the Recently Deceased. And she takes a look at it and like reads through it really quick. And then we discover, or while she discovers by reading through this, that dead people, she discovers that dead people have like their own like government and bureaucracy. Yes. And that like their own like kind of DMV esque system. So, turns out like every dead person or dead people if if they die together adam and barbara kind of get bunched together have like a caseworker and have you know all of these kind of resources available to them in this handbook to kind of teach them how to be dead and how to be ghosts (laughs) and what's something crazy is that everyone who works in the government like everybody who's a caseworker has to work in the government all are victims of suicide. Oh. So if you kill yourself, you end up in like dead ghost government. Okay, here's so, the thing. If if I die and I uh-huh. have to go to like the DMV of the death. Yeah. I, I, I'd just rather not exist. Yeah. Like I guess immediately when Adam and Barbara went for the very first time, the first thing they were asked is if they had an appointment and uh, they, it took them three months to see their caseworker. So like from their perspective, when they left to go to, you know, to this government building, they left and their house looked one way because the, the Dietzes had just moved in. By the time they got back, their entire house was renovated. They didn't even recognize where they were. So, all right. So 
inside the scale, like the like the life size, or sorry, the 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 model up in the attic, there is another undead, like like dead person, and he's kind of like a little bit of a different breed. He's kind of he's very powerful, right? And no one like. He ha- he's very powerful, but he has to be summoned. Hmm. And so his whole deal yeah. is that he says, like, if you if you need help okay. getting people out of your house or haunting the living, uh-huh. summon me and I'll uh-huh. help you. Oh, okay, cool. So like Adam- an exterminator kind of. Yes. And so Adam and Barbara consider this and so they they go and they meet him and he just is like very aggressive he's got like kind of cocaine energy like he's just not pleasant to be around so they're kind of like i think we can handle this by ourselves yeah but you know like he since he's living in their model like he's obviously trying to stalk them for business you know like that's how they were got onto him in the first place is because he's kind of haunting their area like commercials of himself are appearing on the television and like things like that so they're a little bit hot like these ghosts are already a little bit haunted by this other guy oh my god like sweet james or something like billboards totally yes (laughs) so and they found out uh from their caseworker that this guy who's like haunting them and following them and trying to get them to like hire him was a former apprentice of hers and uh you know but like he can't he can't be controlled so anyways we're back to the family so the parents have some people in from new york um to show off their new house to because the dad charles is kind of trying to pitch this town as like a good investment for people and everyone in new york is like this is farm as fuck you know mm-hmm. so they have them over for dinner of like look at the renovations we've done yada 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 and so adam and barbara think well this is a really good opportunity for us to scare them out of here so when adam was alive yeah his favorite artist was henry belafonte Yes, exactly. So when these people from New York are at dinner, it's like uh, seven of them, including Lydia. Adam and Barbara possess them. He possess everyone except Lydia. They leave Lydia alone because Lydia can see them. And like, you know, I mean, I think that there's like a little bit of like, you know how I said that they couldn't have kids when they were alive? Yeah. I think that there's a part of them that feels, especially for Barbara, feels kind of a maternal Oh, towards Lydia. They don't possess Lydia. They possess everybody else. And they have them, they end, what they end up doing is they end up dancing to Deo by Henry Belafonte. Okay. What is this, TikTok? um, Yeah, exactly. But this is the 80s. (laughs) But yes. So, (laughs) girl, this doesn't scare these people. They loved it. Of course. Of course. Yuppies from New York. Of course. Yes, they loved it. They loved it. So in a kind of a moment of panic, they summon this guy 
you know, that they shouldn't have summoned to try to get like, what, this didn't work. So they summon this guy and he, he kind of does his thing where like, you know, he makes the railing on the stairs disappear and like he drops like Charles from like the upper level and he pushes Otho down the stairs and it's like, and he scares Lydia and stuff. And so luckily Adam and Barbara are able to like, you know, call this guy back and like, and get him to kind of fuck off. But like at that point, Lydia was like, I don't fuck with you guys anymore. You know, like that was not cool. The parents still stupidly are like, well, that was weird. They got super hurt, but like, you know, our house is haunted like we can make money off of this so god god capitalism yeah Yeah. so lydia you know this was hard for her and she suddenly is feeling suicidal remember how i said there was a suicide note that there's some information about this so lydia starts to decide that she wants to commit suicide Mm -hmm. and she goes up to the attic and Adam and Barbara aren't there, but the guy who's living in the model is there. And he gives her the spiel of like, oh, like, this is how you can summon me. And maybe if you summon me, I can help you, um, you know, unalive yourself, basically. Yeah. So she's kind of thinking about it. And then Adam and Barbara show up and they're like, don't, don't talk to him. Like and and what are you talking about like don't be suicidal like all this kind of stuff so luckily like they kind of save her from that but her parents are still like just doing the most and they invite more kind of big money people from new york like bigger money people than they already had yeah right so this like it's just like charles boss or something or one of his biggest investors but his wife happens to be into the supernatural so they're like come and see our haunted ass house so they have you know like oh we were all possessed and here's some pictures of these floating sheets with no feet (gasps) yada 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 and the people from new york are like we're not impressed and so you know they have lydia come downstairs and they're like lydia why don't you go and get the ghosts and lydia's like they don't they don't want to come down like they, they don't want to become a parlor trick because what they don't know is that Adam and Barbara kind of got some shit from her caseworker of like, well, you've proved like now all these people who are alive know about the fact that ghosts are real. So you need to get them out of the house now. Like this isn't OK anymore. So they're thinking, OK, well, we'll just stop doing kind of hauntings and then maybe they'll go away. So. Remember Otho, the uh, designer? Right, right, right. Yeah. So there's a comment made about Otho that he just like fucks up everything. Like someone comes, someone says at one point, like you can't even change a tire. Like you can't do anything right. Which I mean, to be honest, I can't change a tire either. But Otho at one point got a hold of the handbook for the recently deceased. (gasps) Oh no. Okay, okay. So, you know, when it seems like this kind of like money opportunity is going downhill, Otho says, well, I have an idea. How about we force them to come down? And Otho Mm. proposes that he's going to host an exorcism. So the, this isn't good because I guess from, you know, from my sources, having, being exercised as a ghost is basically like 
death for the dead, you know, like, you know, you die and you become a ghost, but like, if you get exercise, then you like legit, like your spirit and your soul is just kind of in a void for eternity. So this is not good. Right. Yeah. But Otho doesn't give a shit because they want to show off to these big money people in New York that they have ghosts. So they're like, we need something that was close and important to the dead. They go, they find these fucking wedding clothes. They put the wedding clothes on the table and everyone except Lydia, who like doesn't want to be a part of it. Otho starts rattling off his like exorcist shit and Adam and Barbara appear in their wedding clothes and they're like what the fuck's going on like they have no control over it so as soon as they appear they start to wither away like they start to like get all like cracked up and withery and lydia was like you have to stop you have to stop what are you doing to them like everyone is like what is happening and otho is like i'm sorry like i can't i can't stop it i can't stop it now Mm -hmm. so lydia's freaking out because she's about to lose like they're about to lose adam and barbara like yeah these and these are like she's a teenager these are like her friends like yeah totally i mean like i said barbara has been kind of taking like a maternal presence to her because i mean lydia's stepmom delia you know like she's like on lithium and xanax like every night like she's not really a good she's not a good good mother her parents in general not very attentive right so um she's like I have to do something. Maybe the man who lives in the model can help with this. Oh yeah. I forgot about him for a second. Yeah. Yes. So she goes to the small scale model of the town, which at this point has been brought downstairs because like the uh, Charles was using it to kind of pitch to the big money. People like, look at what a great investment this town is. Wouldn't you know what I have a model of it? Even though like Adam, the ghost built it. So and so she goes and she's talking to the, like the haunted guy, the bad guy. And she was like, you have to help them. And he was like, eh, yeah, I could help them. However, first of all, you have to summon me. And second of all, if you want me to help them, I'm going to need something in return. Right. I right. Yeah. am going to need you to marry me. Uh, okay. So like child bride shit. Because apparently once he gets married, this whole like curse of him only being able to kind of function like with being summoned will go away. And he, and he has like more, you know, like autonomy over his life, um, okay. which, you know, is questionable if that's a good thing. Cause like I said, he's not the, he's not the best guy. So if you summon me and if you marry me or like, and I save them, you have to marry me right okay okay so she's like i mean she's watching adam and barbara wither away like it's getting dire and so she shouldn't have a lot of time to fuck around with this and she says fine so she summons him she says his name three times that's how you summon him so he shows up just snaps his fingers and uh adam and barbara fall out of the air exorcism is over so like that was easy for him and then he like sends the big money people from new york literally sends them through the fucking ceiling like never we don't see them again who knows where they fell but like (laughs) just fires them off he like traps or he like sends otho like out the door or whatever he traps delia's parents or i'm sorry uh lydia's parents in some of delia's sculptures because he's an amateur sculptor 
um, because he's like, okay, cool. Everyone's taken care of. I need witnesses. So traps her parents and changes Lydia's outfit to like this, like crazy Victorian, like blood red dress. And is like, all right, let's get married. And it's like, oh my God, you know, it's not looking great because sure, Adam and Barbara have been saved, but like Lydia's about to get married to this like fucking psycho who's right. dead. Like chic dress, like, you know, and the pro oh, very, I'm just very saying. cool. I mean, look, Lydia's style is very cool. Like from the pictures and everything from the sources, like it, her style was very cool. But so he, he gets this like weird dead officiant like to show up. Yeah. And fortunately this weird ass dead officiant is just taking his motherfucking time like he's talking slow whatever like you know like do you have the rings like all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff it's taking forever in the time that this takes lydia tries to say his name again and he keeps stopping her you know Mm. um oh because what because if you say it if you say his name again he'll yeah he'll get he'll get kind of he gets called off you know he gets oh, he has to go away that's right say his name say his name three times he appears say his name is fourth time he's out so in this time that it was taking for the the marriage to become official adam and barbara are able to kind of come back to normal you know and so like right in the nick of time barbara gets up and says beetlejuice and she's able to stop him. Oh my god! So then he's kind of sent away, and as it stands now, you know, like the this is kind of like the agreement that everyone came to is first of all they got the house back to normal, okay. like they took out all the weird New Yorky kind of art. They are keeping the fact that uh, Barbara and Adam are ghosts a secret and everyone just coexists in the house together now. Oh, I love that. Like, like a blended fa- I mean, we really are like a family. tribal thing. You know what I mean? Like we were meant to be, you know, yeah. I, I really think like bringing up children was meant to be more just than, it takes than a village. two people. Yeah. It, take, it truly takes a village. Yeah. And it's a little odd, I guess, because like Adam and Barbara definitely act more like parents to her than her real parents do. Sure. But like, you know, who's to say? I mean, uh, we don't have a lot of evidence yeah. about it. And again, like there was no police presence for this at all. Like, right. We don't know. Right. We don't know what happened to those rich people who got sent away. And we don't know like oh, all the other rich socialites like, you know, this was the 80s. They probably just did some like quaaludes and then nobody believed them anyways but um, yeah but honestly like eat the rich it's like kind of okay totally totally yeah well that's wow. fantastic what how fun to share some some trash crime with each other some <sighs> true very true trash crime with each other i love i love that we get together and do this every week and just share trash crimes with each mm-hmm. other and yeah that um, this is our platform and that we yeah. you know invest in this like very very popular medium of sharing true crime. <laughs> It's the power of Christ that compels you. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Yes. Are are you okay? Oh my God. Did it? Did anything happen to you too? I I felt like a chill, and then I felt like something like. Something that like came over me. I don't know. What what time is it? 
oh my god it's like oh five my god it's like an hour yeah. an hour has just disappeared uh, did we record a podcast i don't i don't know i mean i have to check the audio file i don't know um all right well i guess uh i guess where can the people find you yeah uh they, they can find me at iconic erica curry or on on instagram and at tiktok and you can find me at gilly gal on twitter yeah okay. what about you Cass? where they can where can they find you you can find me at Cass cardenas on instagram twitter and tiktok and um you can find me uh i do a voice in subterra season two it's another podcast series uh you can also find this podcast at trashy trashy pod on instagram twitter tiktok trashy trashy podcast at gmail.com trashy trashy podcast.com tell us why you're trash send us stories um gosh i hope we did some stories this week i mean but I'm, uh yeah, i'm sorry wow. if we didn't put out an episode this week but you know as always thank, thank you so much for tuning in yeah and um happy halloween everybody happy halloween hey Cass, what's going on girl Stay garbage you stay garbage girl i will bye bye <laughs>